You're listening to the Assembly Call IU podcast and postgame show, the place where Indiana fans across the globe hang out online after every IU basketball game. Join us for our live broadcasts on Thursday nights and immediately following every IU game at our website, assemblycall.com. That's assemblycall.com. And welcome, Hoosier fans, to another episode of the Assembly Call, as tonight your Indiana Hoosiers fall to the Duke Blue Devils 91-81 to at Simon Scott Assembly Hall in a game that saw Indiana put up a, a truly valiant effort uh, and gave themselves a chance to win late, but the Blue Devils pulled away as Indiana struggled with some foul trouble late, um, and Duke was able to, to win this game, but I think as we will talk about on this episode of the Assembly Call, a lot to be encouraged about when it comes to Indiana's performance, uh, but the Hoosiers just didn't have enough tonight uh, to actually get the victory, but a lot to build on as we move forward in this season. I'm your host, Jared Morris, here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips, and we will break it all down for you on this edition of the Assembly Call IU postgame show. And let's start tonight's show as we start every show, and that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. And you know, the banner moment for me... There's so many to choose from in a game like tonight, I feel like. But, you know, I'm going to go back to there's about six minutes to go in the game and it's 73-72 Indiana. And that's actually right at the point where you'll recall that Robert Johnson had that, you know, bad possession on offense where he had the turnover. He's called for the foul. It goes the other way. At that point, Indiana's up one. And from that point forward, over about the next, I think it was three, four minutes, Duke was plus five to take an 81 to 77 lead. And, you know, obviously, you, you, you know, you watch a game like this, you're so close, you feel like you have a chance to win. There's a lot that you'd like to have back. And I would love to see how that stretch of the game would have played out if Indiana had had Robert and Juwan on the court, not saddled with that foul trouble. And I think that really bodes well for this team this season because for 34, 35 minutes, you're battling the number one team in the country, a, a really, really talented team, and you've basically battled them to a draw. You're ahead by one. And then two guys who I thought really had some important moments tonight and did some really good things, Robert and Juwan, have to go out. And as you might expect, Indiana struggled a little bit. Duke was able to make some shots, was able to make some plays. But, you know, again, to be in that position in a game like this late where, you know, look, a lot of people thought that, that this was going to be a game that Duke would win going away. And I think the final score is not indicative of how competitive uh, this game was. So for Indiana to be in that position and for all the great plays that it took to get there, including what Deron Davis did in the second half, I'm sure we'll get to that. The many great passes that Devontae Green threw in the second half. I mean, there, again, just a lot of good uh you know, again, I'd love to see maybe how those next few minutes would have gone if Indiana would have had a chance to win down the final couple minutes uh, if those guys hadn't had uh, to go to the sideline because it really seemed to hurt Indiana at that point when they did. All right. Our banner moment, as always, brought to you by our friends at Hoosier Proud, an Indiana-based T-shirt and apparel company that is by Hoosiers for Hoosiers. And there are three really important reasons why you need to check out HoosierProud.com, especially with the holidays coming up as you're looking for holiday gift ideas. Number one is they have great designs. Uh, they actually have a new design out now, a series of A.J. Moye t-shirts. I'm actually wearing one. 
uh, right now uh, with an image of AJ Moye blocking Carlos Boozer. Uh, you've got that. You've got officially licensed Indiana gear. You've got all of their uh, original Indiana-inspired designs. All of those are there on their website at HoosierProud.com. Also, you got to love their philanthropy. They support Indiana-based charities, and you can see what all those charities are at HoosierProud.com. And finally, their generosity. Because you are an Assembly Call listener, Connor and the team at Hoosier Proud want to give you 15% off of your entire order. And they will do that when you use the promo code ASSEMBLY at checkout, A-S-S-E-M-B-L-Y. Check them out at HoosierProud.com. All righty, well, it is time to move the ball, find the open man, and get some opening thoughts from the rest of our team. We've got the full crew here tonight, Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips with me. And let's start with the Bottoms line brought to us by IUTickets.shop, the URL to use when you want the best prices on IU basketball tickets. Andy, your Bottoms line. Yeah, this is a, a hard one to, to process, I think, in some ways. I feel like we're going to try to ride the line from the moral victory type of type of talk, but also try to understand the fact that this was a game that IU could have won uh, and played well enough for the majority of the game to be able to, you know, kind of compete and win with the team that uh, is, you know, as we talked about just a second before we got on, one of the better college basketball teams that, that we've seen in recent years. And I think, you know, we talked about, you know, turnovers was one of the keys uh, that Archie talked about before the game. And so through about 33 minutes of the game, uh, about 32 and a half minutes of the game, IU had five turnovers, um, but they had four uh, over the last over those last seven and a half minutes, and that that started basically with the turn the the first turnover by Al Durham since uh, I don't even remember when, you know, with the 7:36 mark, and IU was up 69 to 68 at that point. So from there on out, IU turned the ball over four times, almost as many times as they had in the entire game to that point, and got outscored by 11 points, and um, you know, to a certain extent, kind of old uh, old old habits rear in their heads i think some of those came a little bit late when guys were just trying to press uh, a, a bit too much but you know in key stretches the offense really just had too many empty possessions where um you know they, they just they just couldn't score or if they got fouled couldn't make free throws and and um you know w- we can certainly you know point to some officiating things that that i maybe didn't agree with i think more than that and perhaps ryan will um as he vigorously, vigorously shakes his head. Just know um, he's thinking it. it. <laughs> I, what I would say is the first half had great flow to it, and each team got called for eight fouls, and that was a really entertaining half of basketball. Up and down, had long stretches of play where there weren't dead balls, great offense, maybe mixed with some poor defense. Um, and then in the second half, 32 total fouls called on you know 18 on IU, 14 on Duke. I mean, just became hard to really get into any kind of rhythm. And, and IU tried to establish that by continuing to go into Duran and he just struggled, um, you know, once he got to the free throw line there down the stretch. So I think a lot of positives to build on for IU and, and Jay Bill said this toward the end of the game. I mean, if this team plays with this kind of effort, uh, given how poor the big 10 has shown itself to be uh, so far in the, uh, in the non-conference um, this team does have a chance to really rack up some, some big 10 wins. And so it'll be interesting to see if they can bounce back, you know, with, with conference play starting this weekend. But I think a lot of things to build on um, and would be easy to say, Hey, this is a, you know, a great step forward for the program, but there's also the part of me that is like, this is kind of one that they let slip away or at least should have had a chance to win in the closing minutes that they really didn't end up having. Yep, absolutely. All right. And he's back, ladies and gentlemen, Ryan Phillips with Ryan's rant brought to us by the big lead.com. Yeah, it's been a while. Uh, hi everyone. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, yeah, I got it. My the thing I'm ranting about is free throws tonight. Indiana finished from the line. Uh, I'm not going to talk about officiating because I've done that before, and we all know how I feel. And most of you know how my feelings towards Coach K. We'll save that for a fun show someday. But um, 
it, it all kind of interrelates. But Indiana shot 50% from the field uh, against, as we said, one of the best teams you're going to see, one of the best, most talented college basketball teams you're going to see, uh, but went 16 of 26 from the free throw line. This has been a recurring theme this year. You lose by 10 and you miss 10 free throws. Now, I know, of course, you're not expected to make them all, but you're expected to make most of them. Duke was 22 of 29, and I thought they shot poorly. Uh, you know, there were some for them that were just way off. So they shot 75%, but you cannot be in a game against Duke against the number one team and miss your free throws. Um, I thought also, and I said this on Twitter several times, if you're, if you're, uh, Robert Johnson in a big game like this, you can't go one for six from three point range, uh, when you're getting open looks, you know, there's just certain things you can't do in a game like that and expect to win. And Quite frankly, you know, a lot of people said that this was going to be a blowout for Duke and all that stuff is going to be a, a replay of the disaster in Durham that we had a couple years ago. Um, but really, Indiana had a great chance to win this game. They had several chances to win this game. They were up late, uh, you know, and they were they were going toe to toe with this team. And, and while that should give Indiana and its fans sort of, you know, you should be excited about that because it was a great basketball game and they played very well, much better than most people expected them to you have to realize your team also got up for this game and it's probably not going to get up for the, for Michigan, like they got up for this game. So if you're, if you're Archie Miller and you're a fan, you got to also realize this team has a long way to go. And one of the easy things to do is make your free throws. Those are free points that they're just handing to you. And if you do that, maybe in those games where you're not as amped as you would be, you can eke out some wins by doing the right thing and, and making those free throws. I, if, if that team isn't tonight in Cook Hall shooting free throws, I will be disappointed. Uh, I know they're tired, but you know what? You got to shoot free throws when you're tired during a game. So uh, as Andy just posted in our chat, no field goals in the last 526 for IU. Um, and, you know, that means that you're not getting it done from the field. You got to make your free throws. And and they didn't. And and that was the difference in the game for me. Yeah. All right. Well, you are listening. Also, you to, know, they got they got called for eighteen fouls in the second half. But you know, whatever. Man, okay. You know, we do have an episode of Assembly Call Radio tomorrow night. Maybe we talk Coach K tomorrow night. Everybody's been asking. Maybe we'll talk about it then. All right. You're listening to the Assembly Call IU post game show. <laughs> I'm Jared Morris here with Brian Phillips and Andy Bottoms breaking down Indiana's ninety-one to eighty-one loss to Duke. I mean, I agree with you guys. You know, you. It's a game you come into it and you know, I mean, you're going to have to put your best foot forward to have a chance. And, you know, for Indiana to be in it so close and then you look and and to have seven turnovers in the second half and some of them to come at really inopportune times and, and to, you know, to leave those points on the board with the free throws. I mean, it, it does feel so close, Andy. And I I really feel like you. It, this is a hard game to process because I want to be excited on the one hand because I do feel like this team showed a lot of progress in some key areas, you know, and there and, and you know, one that I want to mention is just, you know, you saw a couple times tonight, this team just go to extreme lengths to get loose balls and to beat Duke to loose balls. I have in my notes, in all caps, a couple of places, you know, great hustle. One was, I think, by Juwan Morgan uh, in the first half, uh, an offensive rebound that he got. And another one was by Colin Hartman in the second half. The offensive rebound that he got, I think it was, it came right after he had drained that three where Indiana, he tied it at 57. Uh, and then he, he, just, you know, he hustles and beats three Duke guys uh, uh, for the ball, uh, ends up getting a free throw, ties it at 50 or puts Indiana up 61 to 59. Um, and, and I thought he provided a really important lift tonight for Indiana. Uh, and, you know, I, 
you know, at least in the box score I'm looking at, there was one Hoosier who was positive in the plus minus, and it was Colin Hartman. Um, and I think, you know, you saw some 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 spots where he struggled defensively, where Duke was able to take advantage of him. But I just, you know, thought in a lot of the stretches where he was out there, Indiana looked a little bit more settled, you know, and 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 kind of showed some of that leadership that we know that we've been missing uh, with him not on the court. And I thought that was a positive. Uh, so I want to talk about him. But Andy, I definitely want to talk about Deron Davis because, you know, look, I think when he picked up those two fouls early in the game, I think everybody's thinking, oh, no, you know, it, it's eight to eight. He picks up those two fouls. He goes out. He doesn't play again for the rest of the half. You know, and Indiana's only down by four at halftime and really did a nice job of playing without him. And you saw in the second half what Indiana missed without him on the court. And it's just we see it again. You know, he didn't really come to play against Seton Hall. But in the last two games where he's really been faced up against better big men, he's really stepped up to the challenge against Eastern Michigan. And now tonight, he really did some good work. And I thought one of the struggles for Indiana not being able to get field goals there late in the second half is they struggled to get the ball into him quite as much. But he really showed a lot tonight, um, I think. And again, you got to, you know, make those free throws. You got to finish the plays. But I think against an elite front line, we showed that Deron Davis may be ready to to take that next step into being an elite, an elite post player himself. Uh, now he just needs to stay on the court a little bit longer. Uh, yeah, I think, you know, the, the fouling, the, the first one we can argue whether it was or wasn't a foul. The second one, you, you, can't, you can't aggressively <laughs> double. Well, that could be said for many calls, but that's neither here nor there. I mean, but but the second one was one where you're you're doing a good aggressive double team. And and you just don't need to slap down on the ball. You just have to know how important you are and can't put yourself in that position to get called for it. Um, you certainly, as we learned in the second half, cannot invade the cylinder of the offensive player. Uh, so maybe that was a factor there. But no, I thought, you know, in the second half, he played fantastic and, and really, you know, fouled, you know, single-handedly fouled Wendell Carter out of the game. Um, and, and really, you know, IU was able to play through him. The problem became, I think, late, a little bit of both him and other guys when he was struggling so much from the free throw line, even some of the ones he made were, were kind of ugly. And so you put yourself in that position of like, all right, well, you know that you're playing well through him, but in the back of everybody's mind, you're thinking, I really hope he makes this. Cause if he gets fouled, I don't know what's going to happen when he gets to the line. Now, maybe that's just me sitting at home watching, thinking that, but um, yeah, I mean, he was, he was an integral part of the second half because IU really, if you look at the difference in three point attempts from half to half, I mean, IU shot 15 in the first half and six in the second half. And you can directly attribute that to him being in the game. Now, Duke didn't play as much zone either and, and kind of bait IU into taking some of those threes, but um, they were able to just play how you knew they wanted to. I mean, they went to him early in the first half when he was in the game. And um, so, but again, he has to find a way to keep himself out of foul trouble. I mean, because they're just, too often they're just silly fouls that are preventable um and again even if the first one isn't a foul you can't you, you can't put yourself in a position to you know slap down at the ball you know less than four minutes into the game and take yourself out of the entire first half yeah ryan you want to jump in and talk about duran too uh i think duran davis is ready to eat against big 10 big men i i think that that was a great showing for him he was getting great position um you're right at some point late in the game they weren't getting him the ball in great position but some of that had to do with duke's perimeter defense sort of making the entry pass a little more difficult um and you know they were sort of overplaying because they knew exactly what Indiana wanted to do, and that was get the ball to Davis. What I was the most impressed with, not necessarily Davis's positioning, I was impressed with the commitment to get him the ball against guys who were going to be lottery picks. You know, that was clearly the plan. 
we'll take our sophomore against your five-star freshman and we'll take we'll take that to the bank every day and the confidence that deron davis should take from that is going to vault him to a next level all those things that archie miller said to said about him over the summer came to fruition tonight they force fed him the ball and they let him go to work and the thing is, is that even when he didn't take shots he was six of seven from the field got fouled shot nine free throws only made four and he's got to work on that we mentioned that you want to win games Deron davis got to make his free throws but six of seven from the floor and it's that that would make you feel like he didn't get the ball a lot he was getting the ball in almost every possession and when he didn't have anything because look he was facing a really two really good post players in bagley and and carter when he didn't have anything, he kicked it out and the offense flowed around him and then they'd move it back into him. He'd come out, maybe set a screen, dive back in, reposition. But that made Duke sort of have to react to him every time he got the ball, every time he touched the ball, and it opened stuff for other people. If there were several plays where it directly opened driving lanes for uh, for Robert Johnson and he got layups off of it just from Deron Davis being effective in the post. And that's something we haven't seen out of an IU team in a long time. And and the focus to playing through the paint and the focus through, I mean, the first half, IU outscored Duke, which has one of the best front lines I've ever seen in college basketball, most talented at least. They outscored them in the paint. So you're starting to see the Archie Miller, sort of his philosophy, and you're starting to see the players get how easy basketball is when you play it that way and, and when you go through the paint and that you're going to get the ball back. It's not like you're just dumping it in and it never comes back out. You're playing through the paint and and actually, you know, those easy buckets that a guy like Deron Davis is getting for you pay off for everybody else in the long run. Yep. All right. Coming up on the assembly call, I will point out tonight's meaningful moment that you might have missed. And then we will go inside the numbers as we continue breaking down Indiana's 91-81 loss to Duke. That is next here on the assembly call. Stick with us. Hey, just a real quick note here. The next time that you are going to shop online for IU gear, use the URL iustore.shop. That will take you to the official IU online store where they have anything you could possibly want. Candy stripe pants, the Script Indiana warm-up shirt, all kinds of IU gear. And that URL, iustore.shop, is actually our affiliate URL. So when you use it, and buy something, we get paid a commission. So it's a great way for you to shop for the IU gear that you need and to support the assembly call at the same time. Again, the URL is iustore.shop. Please bookmark it and use it the next time you're looking to buy IU gear. We appreciate it. Now back to the show. You are listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips breaking down Indiana's 10-point loss to Duke tonight. And it is now time for tonight's meaningful moment that you might have missed. Uh, and there's a couple of them that stick out to me in the second half. One uh, that is good, one that is bad. We'll start with the bad one first. You know... Obviously, you know, Duke, Duke comes out in the second half. They jump out to that 10-point uh, 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 lead, you know, and really it looked like it was a danger zone for Indiana, like Duke might be able to just blow this thing open. Uh, and I thought Indiana really did a nice job making a little run and hold that thought because I'm going to talk about it in a second. But when it got to 52-49 to 49, and it felt like there was some momentum, I thought Indiana really missed out on an opportunity 
to grab the lead and just get Simon Scott Assembly Hall absolutely rolling. You know, they, they go on the 7 0 run. It's 52 49. Freddie McSwain gets a steal. And on the, the next possession down, Robert Johnson ends up settling for a long two instead of taking Marvin Bagley to the hole. And on the previous possession, or, or maybe two possessions previous, he had had the same mismatch, took him to the hole, and ended up scoring. And he didn't. He took a long two, misses it, and, and Duke ends up scoring. Next possession down. It's another bad possession. Indiana gets it inside to Juwan Morgan. He spends too much time dribbling, isn't decisive enough with his move, turns it over. And so you have these this moment here where Indiana can keep building momentum, and instead it goes from 52-49 to 55-49. Duke, they're up six. Now, Indiana would subsequently obviously come back, and they would tie it up soon after and even end up taking a lead a little bit later but if you had capitalized on those opportunities when there were some real opportunities to score, now maybe you're up by one or you're up by a couple points instead of having to now come back just to tie it up. And I think those moments are really important in games like this. And it really could have gotten the arena rocking. And so I thought it was a missed opportunity. But I think it was meaningful that Indiana got that opportunity because I think, look, we are maybe what? a week, two weeks removed from this team not being mentally strong enough to withstand that kind of run from a team, uh, any team, let alone a team like Duke early in the second half. But I thought it was huge that Al Durham stepped up and hit a three, uh, which kind of settled things down a little bit, got it down to a seven-point game. And then Archie Miller took a timeout right away. Is at the 18-minute mark. He takes a timeout. And I felt like it was just to kind of get the guys refocused, you know, provide some reinforcement, make sure, you know, the guys know what the keys are in the second half. Let's settle down. Let's get back in this thing. And from that point, over about the next five, six minutes, Indiana went plus nine and then ended up being in the lead 61-59, you know, you know, a little bit thereafter. So even despite missing the opportunities when it was 52 to 49. So I really you know, liked that timeout usage by Archie Miller. It's not something that we've seen a lot uh, in this program, but I thought it was great to see. It seemed to get the guys refocused and they were able to battle back from the tough stretch at the start of the second half. Uh, Andy, what else stood out to you um, or any comments on those moments? Yeah, I mean, I thought that was that was really important timeout. I mean, he, he basically used it to rip into how they had played defensively and they responded by playing probably their best stretch of defense in the in the minutes immediately following that timeout which let which helped them come back on that run i mean offensively they really until the end of the game they i wouldn't say they struggled i mean they didn't shoot the ball well in the first half they, they took too many threes but i thought overall the offense was pretty uh pretty crisp and they were getting good looks and, and even even for the game they shot extremely well from two-point range which I'll, I'll touch on when we get to some of the uh you know the, the stats but um, yeah, I thought that was, I thought that was really a key moment because there was, I mean, that was the, the danger time of is, does this turn into the Seton Hall game or is this a team that's shown growth in the time since then? And, and I thought that it was good to be able to see them respond to your point. You don't want to put yourself in a position where a, you know, a plus nine run is just good enough to get you back to even, but, um, or, or maybe up two points. But I thought that was a, a really important stretch because that was more than anything where the game really could have gotten away from them. And, you know, other than that, it was, it was really down the stretch. I mean, when they had to take uh, Morgan and Robert Johnson out with foul trouble, I mean, that was really the other, you know, that's not a meaningful moment that people did miss, but the immediate aftermath of that, I think you tweeted it out. And so you might know better than I would in terms of what it was, but I mean, they, they lost five points, five or six points there pretty quickly. And, and the game went from uh, being pretty tight to, uh, to not so much. And I think it was, yeah, it was Don't 73, that, it was 73, 72, Indiana, and then Duke went plus five to go up 81, 77. Yeah, I think with, you know, I mean, easy to say in, in hindsight, I think with Juwan, you didn't have a choice but to take him out the way the game was being called inside. 
you had to. There's yeah. th- there's not nothing you do differently there. I do think from Robert Johnson's perspective, could you have shifted him off of Grayson Allen, uh, maybe to somebody else where you could have bought yourself a little time? Uh, I, you know, who knows? Easy to say that now. That was the only kind of question I had at that point. I think McRoberts came in, um, and I think that really just, you know, again, they had a couple guys on the floor there where it was going to be really hard to score, and I think that was, um, you know, Billis made a comment to that effect when Duke was shooting one of their many free throws in the second half. So, um, you know, that was, a, that was a real turning point as well because even – after they had kind of hung through that stretch you talked about, you know, that to me was where the game really got away from him at the end. And, and the offense was really Duran or bust at that point. Ryan, let's talk a little bit about Jawan Morgan, because as I was watching the game tonight, you know, a couple times I caught myself thinking, you know, the way that Jawan is playing and I know maybe nothing he did like jumped out spectacularly, but his all around game, I started thinking, you know what? That darn Phillips, he might be right about Juwan having a future as an NBA player. And I say that because he just did a little bit of everything 14 points. He gets three offensive rebounds. He's got two steals and two blocks. Uh, you know, he even he was able to make a three tonight. Uh, I thought, I, I, you know, I thought at times, and I don't know if you noticed it, I thought when he had to play long stretches, he got a little bit winded and his activity level went down a little bit, maybe wasn't as active on the glass. But that was also in the first half when he had to carry a really heavy load with Duran out. That was what but, I was I, gonna say. Yeah. but, but you know, I thought overall, man, I thought he showed so many different skills. And he's been doing this ever since the Seton Hall game. Um, you know, but I thought another impressive performance for him, especially given the competition level that he was going up against. Yeah, look, Marvin Bagley is going to be one of the top three picks in the NBA draft. There's no question about that. Nobody disputes that. And, and for a long period of time in the first half, Juwan Morgan was checking it. I mean, Juwan Morgan, Juwan Morgan had to play against him. And so, yeah, he was winded. And that takes a lot out of you when you're playing a guy who's that physical and that good. Uh, what I saw from Juwan Morgan was a guy who was active on both ends. Um, you got, he's got to become a better three-point shooter. I think, I think that he's got to be able to hit those shots. If Indiana wants to go far this year, if he's just not that guy, then he's just not that guy. But it's key for Indiana. He was one of two tonight. He was five of nine from the field. But, it, you know, those three-pointers, he's got, he's got to start – hitting them because he's one of the few guys I think who can do it and, and, and show the range. Um, he had three offensive rebounds tonight against that front line, which was incredible. Um, he also had two steals, two blocks. I thought he played great defense. I thought there were some really bad calls when he was just standing straight up there, uh, late. And then I thought he was really catching momentum and really impacting the game when he got the fourth foul and had to sit for a while. So that really took the wind out of his sails, I think. And you know, it took the wind out of Indiana sails too. Uh, it was a bad moment for that fourth foul. Um, but, you know, 14.6 rebounds. I mean, if you get that from him every night, you're happy with it because you feel like he really did impact the game. Um, I, I, I really like what we're seeing from him over the last couple couple games. Um, I just I think that for him, he's got to continue to round out the game. And And the reason I said that I thought he had an NBA future was because I think he is sort of OG Ananobi light a little bit. A guy... <laughs> who can do everything on the score sheet, um, you know, and maybe won't get you 20 points in a game this year, uh, you know, or 25 points in a game this year at, you know, anymore from now on. Uh, but will fill up that stat sheet, will impact the game and, and can do it on both ends of the floor, which I think is a huge deal for this team. They got to be able to do it on both ends of the floor. You're listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips breaking down Indiana's loss to Duke. Guys, let's go inside the numbers, and there's some really interesting ones. Um, one that just jumps off the page is that Indiana actually outscored Duke in the paint 
46 to 44. Obviously, that was due to Indiana's guards' uh, ability to really get into the lane in the first half. And then, obviously, what Deron Davis did in the second half. You know, but I, I want to look at the three keys that Archie Miller had coming into the game. You know, one key was rebounding. And while Duke certainly did some excellent work on the glass uh, and they, they ended up getting 12 offensive rebounds, Indiana actually held them to less than their uh, offensive rebounding percentage for the season. They rebounded 40% of their misses. They were rebounding about 43% coming into the game. So, you know, a, a little bit, a small victory there, maybe not as much as Archie would have wanted. Uh, but Indiana also did a, a decent job on the offensive glass, getting 38.2% of their missed shots. And that's much better than what Duke had been allowing. So, you know, not a great night on the glass, but I don't know. I think you might take those numbers coming into the game. And so I think that was yeah. impressive. You got to you got to remember who they were playing and what. They yeah, were playing. That's, let's be fair. That's well, and, that's one and, of the best front lines you're going to see. Yeah, and that's why I think the context there is important. Um, you know, another key obviously was turnovers, and Indiana did a great job in the first half limiting turnovers to two, and that was a big reason why they were only down by four. Obviously, the seven in the second half uh, hurt. Josh Newkirk especially, you know, had a few that, that were just not good. Um, and so that was a little bit disappointing in the second half. But overall, the turnover numbers still showing improvement. Only 13.8% of possessions tonight ended in a turnover. And then the last key for Archie Miller coming into the game, you know, according to what he said to Don Fisher pregame, was Grayson Allen. You know, he's going to get his, uh, but they really wanted to make him work for it. And and the the words that he used were awareness and attachment to Grayson Allen. And, you know, if you look at the numbers for Grayson Allen, he finished with 21 points, uh, and made some really, really tough shots. He was 7 of 12 from the field, uh, 2 of 6 from downtown. But I would say that Indiana did what they wanted to do on him. And I think they made him make really tough shots. You know, they and shoot, you know, two of his buckets in the second half, they showed it. One of them he traveled and one of them he blatantly pushed off. So he shouldn't have even gotten those buckets. So, you know, I thought those things could have been said about many of those, many yes. of the baskets, not yeah. just those two. But he also, he, also line, he also went to the line for two free throws on one that was a phantom foul as well. So, there, yeah. 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 So, it reminded me, honestly, it reminded me exactly of the last time uh, Duke came to to assembly hall when i was on the floor and it was jj reddick senior year and my word he got about 12 calls that just went his way it was the same thing tonight i mean that's it's your plan duke that's it's you know that go, you yeah. know that going into the game though so you got to play around it you know yeah. that going into the game yeah so so anyway i point out those numbers because i always like to see what a coach talks about before the game and how in tune is his team with what those keys were and I thought for the most part tonight, Indiana really went out and executed what the stated goals were, and it showed up in the numbers. Um, so those numbers all impressed me. Andy, what else jumped out to you uh, from a numbers perspective? Yeah, I mean, as far as Grayson Allen, he he, the box where I'm looking at, he played all 40 minutes or or maybe set out for a few seconds here and there. I, I do think, you know, I thought Robert Johnson did a really good job on him for the vast majority of the game, made him uh, work for his points and and. You know, all kidding aside about the, you know, the travels and the fouls, and whatever, like he made some really tough shots and really played, um, you know, really played well offensively. And and sometimes you just got to tip your hat to somebody. And um, and I thought that's, you know, kind of what what needed to happen tonight. I thought Robert Johnson did a good job on him. And I think, you know, when you look, a couple things stood out to me. One minutes for Duke. I mean, they didn't play guys off the bench. They got maybe 26 bench minutes. And a lot of that was with Carter um, in foul trouble. I mean, IU basically forced them to play. Uh, and some of their other games I've watched, I mean, they, they played Delorier quite a bit more. Olden played has played more, I feel like, in other games that I've seen from them. I mean, they really forced them because of the environment, because of everything else, to really like roll with their um, 
you know, their, their best five guys, which in some ways is a testament to how close the game was overall. Um, Duke actually, you know, IU finally played an opponent that didn't shoot out of their damn mind from three point range. Duke was three of 17 for the game. So that was a nice change of pace. Um, good, good news for, you know, regression to the mean uh, on that one. I thought that was a positive. Um, and kind of along those lines from a shooting perspective, you know, IU shot um, 66% from two point range. Can, better than they shot from the free throw line by 5%, actually. Um, but, uh, you know, I mean, that's been a trend for IU, and they really, like I said, in the second half, only took six threes, and they were 12 of 18 from the from two-point range um, in, in, second half, in the second half. Again, you know, roughly the same, you know, percentage they shot on free throws. So, you know, they need to continue. Obviously, you can't, you know, only you know, only go inside and, and completely abandon the three-point shot. But I thought the the mix of probably what this team is best suited to do was more what they showed in the second half. Um, you, you mentioned second chance, or you mentioned offensive rebound, second chance points. Duke had eight within probably by the second media timeout, I think, and only had seven the rest of the game. So IU really shored that up well. Uh, and bench points was something that IU has really excelled with, 21 to 5. Goes back a little bit to what I said about Duke before, but um, got some good production off the bench, particularly from Colin Hartman. Devontae Green had eight uh, as well, and and a number of guys gave IU uh, some uh, some big minutes there. So some some things to be positive about. Three point shooting continues to be a problem. Free throw shooting we touched touched on already, um, and, and the turnovers we hit on. So those were the only other things besides what we had uh, already mentioned that stood out to me. Yeah, and Ryan, let me know if anything jumps out to you. But the other thing that jumped out to me is I thought Indiana really struggled to get production out of the guard spots in the second half, outside of obviously Robert Johnson uh, and a little bit of Devontae Green, um, who had you know especially two just terrific assists in the second half. And I think they came on back-to-back possessions. Uh, we'll talk about that later. But Al Durham and Josh Newkirk really just weren't able to do much in the second half. They played a total of 29 minutes. Uh, in that second half combined for three points, no assists, and three turnovers. And I think you needed to get more from those guys in the second half. Obviously, the three-pointer that Al hit was really big, um, but those guys never really seemed to be able to get into in, in sync. And I'm not sure either one did anything on the defensive end uh, that really compensate for what they weren't providing on the offensive end. Um, any other any other numbers, guys, before we, uh, before we move on? Nope. Uh, I, okay. I know what I want to talk about next, though. Uh, I see. And you're right. Maybe we are. There's a lot of storylines, Ryan. So maybe we are bearing the lead. We will leave that up to you to decide. And we will talk about that, Ryan's, uh, Ryan's preferred topic, coming up on the Assembly Call as we continue our breakdown of Indiana's 10-point loss to Duke. That is next here on the Assembly Call. Stick with us. You are listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. Catch us live immediately following every IU basketball game and every Thursday night on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash assemblycall. You can also view all of our live broadcasts right on our homepage at assemblycall.com. I am Jared Morris here with Ryan Phillips and Andy Bottoms, and we are breaking down Indiana's 91 to 81 loss to Duke. Uh, and Ryan, you think that we, uh, that we may be bearing the lead. So let's talk about the night for Robert Johnson. Uh, what were your thoughts overall on his play? I thought defensively he was fantastic. As you mentioned, he made Grayson Allen work extremely hard for everything he got. There was a stretch of that second half where Grayson Allen disappeared offensively. I mean, absolutely disappeared. He did nothing for them, and they were getting their points in the paint through uh, Bagley and Carter uh, and occasionally Duvall on a drive or a foul. Uh, but Allen completely disappeared for stretches, um, and, and that was all due to Robert Johnson, who was on him like, 
Velcro. And and if you you know if he does that this year in the Big Ten, Indiana's going to win some games just based on his defense. Um, offensively, I thought there was much to be desired. I, I think that he needs to continue to go to the hoop. Uh, I think that he you've seen him become more comfortable doing that this year but he really needs to be able to attack the hoop and attack the rim the problem is he's got to hit open threes i mean if he gets open threes tonight he was one of six he's got to hit those i mean if, if he is getting an open look i realize you know one or two of those were guarded and then he had to put them up but if he's getting open looks in transition he's got to figure out what's wrong with his shot and make those shots uh i mean just from from a a couple things a momentum standpoint from the standpoint of it's three points as opposed to two, and it's three free points if you're standing there wide open and you're, you know, as good a three-point shooter as he's supposed to be. You gotta nail those. And and, and so the one of six was very disappointing. And the six of fourteen from the field, disappointing. But the promising aspect was him attacking the rim offensively against at that front line. If he can do that against that team, he should be able to do that plenty in the Big Ten. It just doesn't seem like he's ever had the confidence to do it. He's going to have to start because he's a senior now. He's supposed to be the savvy veteran. He needs to be able to go to the rim and get and get buckets that way. Yeah, and he's been doing a good job. I mean, he's shooting 61% on twos so far this year, which absolutely. is absolutely outstanding. And you're right. I mean, he's got to make those outside shots. And to his credit, you know, the one that he made in the first half was a huge one. You know, it was 34-34, and Duke goes on that 7-1 to run. And it looks like they're going to build a lot of momentum going into halftime. And Robert hits that big three to make it 41-38, and it kind of felt like it settled everything down. And I yeah. thought he had opportunities in the second half to hit other ones that, you know, that would have kept momentum going, you know, or, or really gotten the crowd into it. And he just couldn't hit it. So I agree with you. I mean, it was a terrific night for him. I mean, 17 points and he's really been playing better of late. But if he can add that back to his game and, and look, most of his threes, he hit, you know, right in that Eastern Michigan game, the other games, he's been pretty inconsistent with it. You know, now he's back playing at that all big 10 type level that we know yeah. that he's capable of and that he needs to be for Indiana to compete on his shot his feet and his shoulders are all messed up he's he's hesitating a lot i mean there's a lot going on there that they need to work on and and you he know, just looks like he's not confident you know? yeah and it's you know his whole even on the three he hit it was a mess his his legs were completely turned the wrong way his shoulders followed through too far uh, but he didn't hesitate on that one, and so that makes up for a lot. But he's kind of going up and almost double clutching on his shot, and it's painful to see because he's a guy who's never done that before. But it's it's definitely in his head, and he needs practice to work it out. Andy, you're president of the fan club. Yeah, I mean, I, I talked about the defense. I mean, I thought he was he was fantastic there, and and really some of the shots second half were ones where he just shot quickly because I think he had just a sliver of space and, and shot up and while he missed a couple threes, you know, off of, you know, no passes on the possession, but um, like the team, I mean, the first half he took five, seven shots from three and was one um, on those. And the second half he, he attacked the basket, just took one three pointer was four out of six on his twos and made all four free throws. So he's got to figure out what that, what that balance is for him. I think the hard part is that, you know, he, he to make shots for this team to be successful. And I think you see at times that he feels uh, of that and, and takes shots, but the hesitation is definitely the thing. And, it, you know, I know I tweeted this at when it, on the one that he made was that, you know, he just, as Ryan said, he didn't hesitate, just went right into it and shot. 
Ryan, let's talk a little bit about uh, Colin Hartman and Devontae Green. You know, Devontae Green came in off the bench today uh, as Al Durham got his first start. And I thought, you know, Al had a couple of nice plays, but, you know, but it was interesting. He only played 21 minutes and he's been the guy. He's played the second most minutes on the team. Uh, and clearly Archie wasn't quite as enamored with Al's play today as he has been in the past. I think some of that was defensively. You know, he was just not really able to to contain much that, that Duke was, was doing from a dribbling perspective. And I thought he looked a little bit hesitant offensively. I don't want to say that the moment was too cool. big for him, but I just it didn't quite seem like the same Al that we've seen uh, in, in other games. So maybe maybe go into him first and then we'll get yeah, to neither, neither of the freshmen played particularly much tonight and neither played particularly well when they were in there. I mean, Justin Smith was OK, but he, I mean, he wasn't on the floor very much. But, um, you know, Al, I, I think that for both of them, they've never been in an atmosphere like that before. And that can screw you up. I mean, from an adrenaline standpoint, from, you know, even if it's a, your home atmosphere. Yes, absolutely. I think even even more sometimes at home um, because you just get so pumped up and excited, you do lose focus. And, and you know, Al missed two free throws that he's got to make again. He's, he's a guard. He's got to make those free throws. Um, you know, he did hit a big three from the corner in the second half. Uh, but I think that, again, I just think the game was a little beyond him right now. Um, and, and I thought the same of when Justin Smith was in there. I mean, they, they both had a chance to sort of be like, oh, these are the these are the top guys in our recruiting class here. This is our this is us showing what we can do. And neither guy really did. And and that's fine. They're not those guys right now. And, and you know, they're guys that we look at as long term project pro prospects, you know, who are going to be good this year. But the point is that they're going to be long term guys for us. And I, I think Al's been good this year already. But, you know, these aren't guys who are going to be All-Americans this year, like the guys on Duke. And and so I think that, you know, it's a process. I think that, you know, this I just think the atmosphere and that this game and the talent level, of the opposition was maybe a little bit beyond them tonight. And, and maybe it was a learning experience for them to sort of settle down and, and treat this game or a game like this just like you treat Eastern Michigan, just like you treat the other games and kind of bring that, you know, energy level down a little bit and and play slower you know there's that old saying that coaches use that makes no sense is play slower to play faster and, and but it is true it's 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 you slow your mind down to actually wind up playing faster on the floor and and i think that both of those guys need to start to do that uh when when we get into big 10 play because again the the you know starting tonight the competition level for these guys ratcheted up big time and it's going to continue to get even more, and it's going to continue to build and continue to build. Uh, I know Michigan got waxed tonight by North Carolina, uh, but they're going to come to play on Saturday, and that's a, that's a pretty talented team that could easily beat Indiana. So, uh, I, I, you know, we're going to need those guys to to really step their game up. Yeah, and it's you know it, that's a scary game because it's a potential letdown spot for Indiana too, coming off a really emotional of home game. This you know, is emotionally it. draining. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be. I think we're going to find out a lot about the the maturity of this Indiana team early in, in the some season. ways. Look, in some ways, Indiana's going to feel good about themselves coming out of this game too. I mean, maybe yeah. you know they, they'll feel bad about losing, but they're going to feel like, hey, man, we just hung with the number one team in the country. Yeah, we can do this, and boom, that's when you get caught. So hopefully, I mean, Archie Miller's done a great job of keeping these guys grounded and focused. That's going to be a huge task coming into Saturday, yeah. especially for a morning game. Yeah. You're listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips breaking down Indiana's loss to Duke. Uh, so, okay, let's go back and talk about Devontae and Colin. 
Um, cause I really thought coming into this game that we were going to need a lot more good Devante than bad Devante if we were going to compete, because I think this is the kind of game where some of those unique things that Devante can bring really shine and really become important, uh, because he is really a guy who can get creative off the dribble, um, and, and can really make passes where it almost doesn't look like there's a pass there and create points, you know, when your offense is struggling a little bit. And I thought he did that tonight. He led the team in assists with four. Uh, you know, also had eight points, had three boards and limited the turnovers to just one. Um, so not a perfect night, but I certainly thought there was more good Devonte than bad tonight. And he played 28 minutes, whereas against Eastern Michigan, uh, he only played 12. And so I thought it was encouraging to see uh, Devonte step up in a really big situation and make some of the plays uh, that Indiana needed him to make, especially there in the second half. Andy, what were your thoughts on Devonte? Yeah, I mean, I I, th- I was interested to see how he would respond to not playing a lot in the second half of that Eastern Michigan game and then not starting. And I thought that, uh, I, you know, I thought that he responded well uh, to, to that. I mean, took a couple of questionable shots, but I think you're going to take that with him because he's a guy that in games like this, when you you feel like you're outmanned, you need somebody who maybe refuses to acknowledge that you might be outmanned. And I think he's uh, I think he's that guy. Um, so I thought, you know, particularly those passes he made in the second half were really good. And I think of the um, you know, of the guards not named Robert Johnson, uh, I thought he he played the best and and the most consistent. Still struggles on closeouts and some of the things he's trying to do defensively. Uh, you know where he needs to get better, but um, I'd also say that that Newkirk didn't play very well defensively, so you can't really, um, you know, both those guys continue to struggle and they're, they're just having to work through it. But uh, I thought he played well off the bench um, for sure. And and as for Colin, I mean, he did. You know, I would have liked to see him play more, and I don't really know. I know they've talked he about he's not minutes, so yeah, I know. Well, they're going to keep ratcheting that up. I think they're just yeah. being care. I think they're being very careful with him, especially before the conference starts. You know, yeah, this that, game. I mean, look, it would have been great to beat Duke, but this game in the grand scheme of things didn't mean a whole lot. The Saturday's game means a whole lot. You know, so as far as you know what their goals are this year, so I, I think that. They're gonna. Ha- they're saving him for the conference. Maybe start to ratchet him up then. Yeah, I think the. I think the the thing that he really brought to the table in the first half was you, you knew that once Duran was out, IU was going to give things up defensively. I mean, that was in- inevitable based on the size. Um, but I thought, as opposed to playing with a guy like Freddie McSwain, you had Colin who could at least give you some advantage on the other end of the floor, where um, you know he was a guy that that. Duke was going to have a hard time containing because of the size and playing more of a, a small ball type lineup. So uh, I thought he was really important in that first half, made those, you know, made the big three and, and the hustle play that Jared mentioned earlier uh, in the second. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see how much his minutes ratchet up. I mean, to be fair, he was getting, he was being called for fouls at a, at a high rate as well. So um, there could have been a little bit of that, but uh, you know, I thought overall he, he played well and continues to, to provide a good lift. A lot of Colin Hartman things uh, happened in the game tonight for sure. Yeah, a lot of Colin Hartman things. It was, I mean, it's just great to see him back out there. And again, I think, I don't think it's a coincidence that he was the only Indiana that was a positive in the plus minus. Again, a flawed stat in a single game situation. I recognize that, but I just think he he kind of settles things down a little bit, you know. And it always seems like there's a guy there, you know, to get that to get that loose ball, to find a little crease and get an offensive rebound, you know, to step in and make a good rotation. Uh, and tonight, you know, his contribution showed up in the box score. 11 minutes or 11 points in 16 minutes, uh, you know, was good. I mean, he was able to get six field goal attempts up in there. 
Um, and so I thought uh, I thought that was really impressive uh, from Colin. All right, let's uh, guys, let's move on here uh, and let's let's get to our game balls, which is coming up in the next segment. Uh, so coming up here in our final segment of the assembly call, we handed our game balls. We look ahead to Indiana's next opponent, Michigan, and then we deliver our final thoughts on this. You know, a loss to Duke, but I think one that we would all agree is encouraging in some important ways. And we'll try to sum that up in our final thoughts. That's next here on the Assembly Call. Stick with us. You are listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips, and we are wrapping up our breakdown of Indiana's 91-81 to loss to the Duke Blue Devils on Wednesday night in the Big Ten ACC Challenge. We won't even mention what the overall record is of the Big Ten in the Big Ten ACC Challenge because it is uh, ugly, and that's probably not a strong enough adjective to describe what it is. Uh, so let's, let's Wow, so it's just like every other year, huh? <laughs> that's bad all right let's go with some game balls uh and ryan you're making your uh your triumphant return this evening so we'll let you go first you get your game oh, balls tonight. i get i get first choice huh uh, i'm going with deron davis i thought that uh you know for him it was sort of a game where he you know he played last year and he had he played a decent amount last year uh but he never really had a chance to to shine consistently and i think tonight was definitely the uh point to the duke guys and say hey you know what i was a pretty good recruit too last year uh I hope you guys haven't forgotten about me. And, and I thought that he did very well. I thought in one-on-one situations offensively in the post, he was phenomenal. And, and I think that that bodes well for Indiana, especially because we've got so much concern about the size inside. Uh, the fact that he played against those guys and only picked up three fouls uh, all night is big. Of course, he had the two in the first half, which was which was bad, and saw him get to the you know have, take have to take a seat on the bench for a while. Um, and he has to get better at that. But at the same time, uh, I thought that um, he played very well, and I thought it was very encouraging. You'd like to see the rebound numbers be numbers be a little higher, but again, you're going against that front line. Uh, good luck. So 16 points, five rebounds, and assist, and the offense ran through him all night, and I thought the effort was great as well. So he gets my game ball. Andy, who gets yours? Uh, I'm going to go with Juwan. I thought from a... You know, he really stepped up when he, he had a big task coming into the game, knowing that he was going to draw the assignment on Bagley. Uh, and then when Duran went out, that task got a little bit tougher. And I thought he really responded early in the game. Great activity level uh, really has continued to build momentum uh, in, in these last few games with how he's played. And, you know, if you look at it, he finished with 14 points, led the team in rebounds, led the team in blocks, led the team in steals, had just the one turnover and, and played 31 minutes. And I thought really made Bagley work on both ends of the floor because there were times, and I agree with what you guys said earlier about Juwan looking uh, kind of winded at, at various times in the game. There were times when Bagley was completely gassed, and I give Morgan a lot of credit for that. He made him really work for everything he got um, and, and really made him play uh, play tough on both ends of the floor by either taking him out by you know, you know, those one possession where I think he had, you know, maybe like 11 shot fakes within the span of three seconds underneath the basket. Um, and, and so I thought he, he, you know, made, made a lot of smart plays, um, used his body well around the rim, found himself in, in switches when he had smaller guys on him and tried to make himself available to, to get thing to get the ball. So, uh, I thought he continued to play really well, provided good leadership and, um, in a, in a half, um, where they really needed somebody to help him stick around. I thought some of the hustle plays that he made were a, a big difference to how IU played in the first half. Yeah, and I'm going to give mine to Robert Johnson. We've talked about the defense on Grace and Allen, uh, which was obviously really, really important. And, and I just thought, you know, we've seen Robert 
look, he's missed some opportunities to hit some really big three pointers that, that could be really real momentum shifters in this game and in other games. But I think he's also made some really big shots too. you know, for a team that at times needs someone to just step up and make a big shot. The one I mentioned at the end of the first half, and I thought there was a stretch in the second half. I mentioned earlier, you know, when it was 52 to 49, Indiana left those possessions, you know, just really bad possessions. And, and they left some points out there on the court and Duke pushes it back up to a six point game. Well, right after that, who's the guy that brings Indiana right back? It was Robert Johnson. You know, he bounced back after missing a couple shots. He hit a long two at the end of the shot clock, which was a really, really tough shot. Uh, and then he went down on the other end, forced Grayson Allen into missing a three, really played tight defense on him, and then went coast to coast for the layup. And so, you know, right there, uh, cut it back to a one or two point game. And so I thought, you know, he was able to have some stretches like that offensively and defensively. He was really terrific. Um, and so, you know, look, I, I think it's good for Indiana. Uh, you know, we've seen lots of contributions from guys like Al Durham and Justin Smith and some other guys. But the guys that Indiana is going to have to ride in big games and throughout Big Ten play are Robert Johnson, Deron Davis and Juwan Morgan. And we've seen now consistently over the last four games, Robert Johnson and Juwan Morgan you know, really be consistent producers, you know, be the guys getting these game balls. And it was nice to see Deron Davis step up and join them tonight. Uh, and that's why I think this was encouraging because, you know, against a team like Duke that obviously is very talented, very, very good, Indiana's best players rose to the occasion. Not quite enough to get Indiana over the hump, but enough for you to really feel good about what they can do as we move forward. Uh, before we talk about Michigan, let me ask you guys one other question because we haven't talked a ton about the defense tonight, you know, and, and you look at the Ken Palm numbers, uh, and Indiana's updated defensive rating now is 219th. Uh, and, you know, look, you play Duke, they're elite offensively, probably the best offense in the country. I think Indiana gave up, you know, 1.34 points per possession, something like that tonight. It's obviously not good. And I know, you know, so you look at the numbers and it doesn't seem like things are improved, but I thought Brian, uh, the official coach of the assembly call, uh, who people have seen on a few previous episodes, Brian Tonsoni, made a great point in the chat that, you know, the scheme looks better. You know, the execution seems a little bit better. The technique still needs to get a little, little bit better on certain things that they're trying to do. Are you, what are your thoughts on the defense? Are you encouraged that the defense is better and it's one of those that it's going to take a while for the numbers to catch up uh, and maybe even for, you know, the on-court production to catch up, but things look better? Or does this still just look like a team that doesn't have a clue defensively? And Andy, you can take a first crack at that. You know, I think it's, I think the numbers will, I mean, the three point shooting, it, once that catches up, I think things get a little bit better. Although obviously playing Michigan, a team that's, you know, perennially really efficient on offense, probably not uh, a great recipe to make that, you know, come down right away. But I, I do think you see a better understanding of what they need to do. Duke's just a really tough team where it's like, what are you really going to take away from them? I thought in the first half that, you know, it, going into the game for me, it was let's try to force Trayvon Duvall to to take a lot of shots. And they did that early and he made some nice floaters. But more often than not, and, and when when they missed, you know, they gave up a lot of offensive rebounds. But I think he was a guy that you're willing to let shoot. Um, and he, you know, made some silly plays in the second half, which is, I think, what they wanted to do in the first half. What I what I like from them defensively was they kind of threw out that wrinkle of of really aggressively double teaming guys early in the first half. And it didn't necessarily pay dividends Duke moved the ball pretty well um seemed like every you know loose ball IU would get a hand on but they couldn't quite corral um and so I thought they they made some good things happen there and and tried to force some turnovers by showing a little bit different look with being aggressive and trying to rotate behind it so sometimes that was effective sometimes it wasn't um but I think it shows a little bit of 
uh, of trust, I guess, that they're starting to pick things up where they're a- able to add some, you know, kind of different elements to it. But uh, to me, with the pack line, I mean, we, we talk about trying to contain the dribble. They still really struggle in that area, probably as much as any. Uh, I thought Newkirk was really struggled in that area tonight. And even, um, you know, to a certain extent, Al Durham and, and, and Devante struggled there as well. And they, you know, based on the way the defense is set up, they've got to be better in, in that area. And I thought that was one um, that really kind of, you know, if that that doesn't work, the dominoes kind of set in motion to, to put you in a tough spot to be able to recover. Yeah, that's a process too. It's going to take time. I mean, these guys are not used to doing what Archie wants them to do. So it's going to take time. I mean, that's a... Yeah, that's that's a that's a itchy situation that's going to take some time to to get figured out, and and it's about creating the culture of defense uh, over a number of years. That you know, probably, hopefully by next year, uh, just for my personal health. But uh, I, I think uh, that's the kind of thing that's going to happen. It's just going to take a while. You can't do that in in five months. Yeah. All right, Andy, let's look ahead to Michigan. It's a quick turnaround. That game is on Saturday, and then an even quicker turnaround uh, as Indiana then plays Iowa on Monday to open up Big Ten play. So Michigan got shellacked by North Carolina, uh, you know, and their team that, that's working in, you know, some new guys and some new roles. So what awaits Indiana in Ann Arbor on Saturday? You know, they, they're a team that they lost their opening game in Maui. So Ryan may even have some thoughts uh, there. They lost to LSU and you know, that, that kind of put them on a, a road there where they didn't get to play as many good teams as they would have wanted to. They did beat VCU in the, in the uh, I guess that would be the fifth place game. Um, but otherwise, you know, they haven't played, you know, they, they didn't play well tonight. They came out, just really struggled defensively. Uh, the beginning of that game was really fun to watch, mostly because everyone was scoring every time they had the ball. So, you know, but but after that, you know, they, they just could never really slow North Carolina down. Um, and so I think, you know, IU needs to really go at them inside. Uh, they're not a particularly deep team, don't have uh, a lot of depth in the front court in particular. So if you can really get Duran going, um, you know, get Wagner, you know, get in some foul trouble, I think that would bode well. They have not shot the ball well from three-point range for a team that takes a lot of threes, taking almost 45% of their field goal attempts in three-point range, and they're shooting just about 32.5%. So, um, you know, IU hopefully will not be the cure to that. Um, but, uh, it, you know, they have done a good job not putting opponents on the line. IU has to, you know, continue to attack and, um, you know, and 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 get the free throw rate up to where it needs to be. And by the same token, Michigan doesn't get to the line all that well. So, uh, you know, to me, it's you got to close out on shooters, but you got to close out under control because they're a team that's going to shoot a lot of threes, but do have some guys that can drive it. Uh, and then, uh, you know, hopefully not let Wagner really get going. Um, you know, pulling pulling Duran away from the basket or getting him in foul trouble. You want to make sure that goes the other way around and uh, and go from there. But it should be a tough game. I mean, they're going to be you know ready to bounce back after playing really poorly tonight. So you, you know, one of those where potential letdown for IU, probably a potential spot where uh, you know Michigan's not going to be too happy about how they played. And and a beeline coach offense is always one to be concerned with, particularly for an IU team that's that's struggling a bit defensively at this point. Ryan, do you have any thoughts? After, did you see them play live? Uh, not not enough to to have a um, you know. I didn't really do the losers brackets games in Maui just because I was trying to. I, well, I had a sinus infection, which is one problem. But uh, so I was trying not to infect the entire arena, just the winners bracket teams. Uh, I didn't get to, I didn't get to watch them a lot. I did think that they were they were really susceptible to dribble penetration in that LSU game, and and Tremont Waters went off on them, and, and that was really the story of that game. So I think that I think the dribble penetration is going to be very key for Indiana, and yeah, pounding inside there. They are missing some guys from last year that, that could really help out in the post and, um, you know, get Wagner in trouble and, and you get the best player off the floor. 
something about you saying that you don't pay attention to the loser's bracket that is just the most Ryan Phillips quote ever. Yeah, <laughs> really... I, tried, I tried to avoid it. You know? I mean, they play Chaminade. Who wants to see Chaminade play? Uh, no, I, I just, I, I was trying to, I was trying to limit the, uh, the. I, I was patient zero, and I was trying to limit the amount of spread of uh, germs in that arena. So uh, I was trying. You know, it, it, it came from the right place. Morris, it came from the right. It always does. It always does. All right. You're listening to the assembly call. Remember that because you are an assembly call listener, you get 15% off your entire order over at hoosierproud.com. So if you want officially licensed IU gear, one of our assembly call logo t-shirts, one of the two really cool new AJ Moye uh, designs that they have over there, uh, or one of Hoosier Proud's unique Indiana inspired designs, visit their website, hoosierproud.com. Use the promo code assembly at checkout. Uh, that's hoosierproud.com, promo code assembly, A-S-S-E-M-B-L-Y, and you will get 15% off your entire order. All right, I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips, wrapping up our coverage of Indiana's 10-point loss to Duke. Uh, it is time for last call. Uh, I'll lead us into last call with this quote, which is from Rob Johnson, uh, reading a tweet from Trisha Whitaker. Rob said, this game gave us an identity, and it gave us a standard moving forward. Uh, again, you know, Indiana does not want to be a program that is happy with a 10 point loss. And I, I think, you know, as many positives as we can take from this, there's a whole lot of lingering disappointment at the fact that, you know, Indiana left points at the free throw line, turned the ball over too much, you know, couldn't get some key stops, all of those things. But, you know, I think in this first year of a new coach really making a drastic change in the identity of a program, you know, maybe in a loss like this, you can take some real positives. And, and you know, if that's what the team feels, that this really gave them an identity and some kind of standard uh, and something to build on, then I think that's certainly a good sign and, and hopefully a way that Indiana can be better for this, uh, even though it's a loss uh, on the schedule card. But let's go to last call. Get your guys' final thoughts. Andy, we'll start with you. Well, you know, Saturday, just your standard early December Big Ten game. So uh, that's exciting to uh, to get ready for. But At noon. Uh, no, I, I, yeah, I'm curious to uh, I, I'm really curious to see how they respond to, to doing this. I, you know, those comments from from Robert sound somewhat reassuring if, if you put it in the, the thought process of, you know, this is a standard from an effort. Uh, you know, standpoint and those kinds of things, because the reality is that if they play like this, there's no way in the world they lose to Indiana State, um, and and they probably are more competitive against Seton Hall and 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 maybe don't win. But um, so I think that's what you want to see. They've continued to build, uh, and I don't really think they, you know, as we kind of look at the progression of the three games leading into this, it doesn't really feel like tonight was a step back, even though uh, it, it is probably a little bit more frustrating than. Uh, maybe we we might have thought that it would be given how the uh, you know the first thirty five minutes of the game played out, but um, you know I think overall positive thing really r- more than anything just you know proud of how hard uh, you know they they played. There were times that um, you know the challenge could have could have looked too tough and uh, and things like that. And I think you started to see a little bit of that toughness that that Archie said they were lacking early in the season. I think we saw multiple times tonight where. Um, that's something that they've been able to grow and uh, and get better at. And so hopefully that's something that grows throughout the season. And the reality is that at this point, based on how the Big Ten has played, um, it isn't wide open, but the middle of the Big Ten is probably more wide open than we thought that it was before. I think, you know, you would still say that Michigan State, Minnesota, and Purdue are maybe a cut above everybody else. Um, but outside of those, uh, it things are, things are pretty wide open at this point, and nobody has really asserted themselves with quality wins or, or anything else that says that if IU comes out and plays the way they do tonight, they don't have a chance to really push themselves toward the uh, upper echelon of the league. So hopefully 
the uh, early December Big Ten game is a uh, is a way to get off to a good start and and that they can play well because I was you know reeling at this point has not have not played well for that second game so if you can find a way to uh, to steal this one on the road got a good chance to to maybe be two and zero coming out of these first two uh, Big Ten games uh, by the time they play Iowa. Mr. Phillips, you know what I would say is is just look at where we were opening night and look at where we are now. And this team is just exponentially better than it was that night. And I think we have to all understand that this is a process. I, again, and I keep saying it, I've said, don't judge this team until late December. Um, you know, and I think we could judge them a little tonight and say, look, there's progress. There's been a lot of progress and the team is starting to get it and starting to understand what the new coach and the new, well, the new staff really wants on both ends of the floor. And, and, what they can and can't do. Now there's going to be hiccups and there's still things they need to learn both ways. Uh, but at the same time, the improvement is, has just been so vast so far. It's been incredible. And so credit to the team for that uh, credit to the, the fans for coming out and supporting this team tonight. You got to keep doing it though. Show up every game like that, make assembly hall, a scary, scary place. Uh, continue to do that, not just when you're facing the number one team in the country. I feel like some of the crowds this year have been lacking. Um, so let's get some, let's get some, you know, energy in that place every week. The Big Ten games included, uh, and and at the same time, uh, we'll see what they do when they come out of Michigan. It's always tough. Start playing very early in the day, playing on the road, especially those games usually are ugly. Teams are flat. It's not ideal yet the big 10 keeps doing it i don't know why uh especially early in the year for for a conference game so let's see what they can do uh, i certainly have confidence that they can beat michigan I, I after tonight i certainly have that confidence let's watch for a letdown and and let's see uh if they come out and and can stay focused and i gotta say folks i mean just reading the post game quotes from archie and seeing the way he handled himself and the way he coached the game in this one i have so much confidence in that guy that i have not had a, in an iu coach for a long time in any sport, I've got confidence in him. He's he's smart. He knows what he's doing, and uh, he knows how to win basketball games. and And so that's that's incredibly important for this program. Yeah, no question about it. And a couple of those quotes. Uh, this is a Jeff Ravjohn's tweet uh, quoting Archie Miller. If we can continue to keep growing up, tonight should be the norm in Assembly Hall. We're getting ready to go to Michigan. It's got to be the same. Uh, and he said uh, later, I read in another tweet. You know, if it's not the same, that's on him. And then this one, uh, Zach Osterman tweeted. Quoting Archie, if you get 81 points at home, you got to win, period. If you get 81 points in your building, you got to win. And maybe that's part of the standard that Robert Johnson, you know, is talking about, you know, and, and in terms of an identity, you know, an identity in terms of how hard they have to play, but also a standard, you know, that they can all that they need to be better and they can be better. And I think that's that's really what I end up taking from this game is I thought there were a ton of positive things to build on in terms of the effort and the intensity and getting to the 50, 50 balls and guys making plays and, you know, Duke going on a run, Indiana coming right back. I mean, we've seen so much growth just in terms of this team's mentality and maturity. I feel like just since a couple of weeks ago, but then you also see that there's still room to grow. Like it is not like Indiana went out and played a perfect game tonight just to hang on with Duke. Like Indiana played well, but they left stuff out there that they can get better at as the season goes on. They can improve defensively. They can make more free throws, obviously. You know, they can make more outside shots and they can, uh, you know, limit the turnovers in the second half. And so still a lot of room to grow. So 
I agree with Ryan, and, and, and we have been saying that for a while. You know, we've got to wait. We've got to be patient. Uh, we've got to have that patience and perspective. And then the team has to show us progress. And I really feel like over this four-game homestand, Indiana has showed us progress. And I thought each performance got a little bit better. The Eastern Michigan win was obviously impressive. And even, even though Indiana lost tonight, I thought this game was even more impressive in a lot of ways. So I walk away from tonight disappointed. Uh, you know, frustrated because you feel like you really had number one on the ropes and with a few more plays here and there, uh, you know, you could have capitalized and gotten a huge win. But I still think there were more positives than negatives. And now I can't wait to see how Indiana responds to a road test at Michigan, then back home against Iowa, and then two more tough games against Notre Dame and Louisville. We've known this is going to be a tough gauntlet. I think it's important, certainly for Indiana, to get at least one win in these four games. Hopefully they can get a split. Uh, and who knows? I mean, if they can play in these next four games like they did in the first 36, 37 minutes against Duke, they could win even more than that. And for us to be saying that now from where the team was two weeks ago, I think that shows just how much progress is made. Uh, and that is definitely something to build on. All righty. Well, that will do it for us on this edition of the Assembly Call. Remember that our live broadcasts immediately following every IU game are always available on our homepage at assemblycall.com and on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash assemblycall. And you can always catch up on demand anytime with our podcast. Just search for Assembly Call wherever you listen to podcasts, especially these late, late, late games. I know sometimes you all can't join us for the live show, so you can always uh, check us out on the podcast. And then don't forget to join us, uh, assemblycall.com slash join. Get on our newsletter. We send out a post-game analysis email the morning after every IU game. Yes, we'll be sending one out tomorrow morning. Ryan is getting excited right now. He's rubbing his hands together in excitement because he's, he's going to write this one. He drew the short end of the stick because he's on the Pacific time zone. So <laughs> that's just how it goes. Uh, so assemblycall.com slash join. All right, thank you for listening. We will talk to you again tomorrow night for Assembly Call Radio and then again Saturday for the IU Michigan post-game show. Until then, keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. And go Hoosiers. Thank you for being here and for listening to this episode of The Assembly Call. We appreciate it. And we really do rely on the support of audience members like you to keep our show going and to keep growing. And so we have set up a page on our website at assemblycall.com slash support that lists five ways that you can support The Assembly Call. And we encourage you to choose whichever method is the easiest and most convenient for you. One of the methods is donating, and so many of you have donated, and we appreciate it so much. On that page, you can choose a monthly recurring donation or an annual recurring donation or just a one-time donation, whatever works for you. And if you don't want to donate, another way to support the show is you can use our affiliate URLs, iutickets.shop or iustore.shop when you're going to shop for tickets or gear, and we will get paid a small commission when you use those links. But however you support the show... We appreciate it. Thank you. Mexico is more than a country. It's a feeling. Wherever you feel Mexican, there is Mexico. Let's celebrate it. Tecate. Mexico is in us. Rocket Pro Insight is the innovative product designed to give real estate agents control like never before. Get full visibility into a client's loan status, adjust their approval letter amount, help them clear roadblocks, and manage it all in one place. Sign up today at rocketpro.com real estate and get the freedom to check a client's progress from anywhere at any time. 
Offer cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender. Licensed in all 50 states. MLSConsumerAccess.org number 3030. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.